When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Sorry about the sound bites. Sorry about the iHeart streaming not working. You can go to the ESPN app or tune in. Apparently, that streaming is working. But for some reason, the Tommy John sound bites are dropping off. Just keep letting us know on Twitter or call us in if you're not hearing the sound bites. Hopefully, we'll get this fixed. Today's show is all about destiny and success because my guest at 815, which I hope he'll be able to call in, is Mark Beesjack from Zimmer Biomet, who's the president of the biggest orthopedic company in the world. His story is a success story, but it comes from humble beginnings, and it also comes from an exact moment sitting next to someone on an airplane who says you should be in medical sales, not selling tires, and I can't wait for him to tell us that story, but it made me think all week of the worlds that I love in art, in sports, and in surgery. When you see success, how does it happen? Luck, yeah, I get luck, but I'm not interested in luck because it's too unpredictable. you got to make your own luck. And in the end, you really have to believe in yourself. you got to believe that you're destined for greatness. you got to find those gifts that God gave you and share them with the world. But mostly you got to be ready for it. And you'll be ready for it if you have that confidence in yourself. In the case of Bob Dylan, he even had the name Robert Zimmerman. That wasn't his real name. But he said, that ain't my name. I see myself differently. I see myself as Bob Dylan, not Robert Zimmerman. In 2004... The late, great Ed Bradley from 60 Minutes sat down with a guest who represented success and destiny. Of all the guests he'd interview, this is the one guy he wanted to interview. Let's listen to Ed Bradley. For as long as I've been here at 60 Minutes, I've wanted to interview Bob Dylan. Over his 43-year career, there is no musician alive who has been more influential. His distinctive twang and poetic lyrics have produced some of the most memorable songs ever written. In the 60s, his songs of protest and turmoil spoke to an entire generation. Yep. He wrote Blowing in the Wind in 10 minutes. Is that right? Probably. Just like that? Yeah. Where did it come from? It just came... It came from... Uh, like... Um, Right out of that wellspring of uh, creativity, I would think, you know. Feel like that. He feels like it just came through him. He can't even take credit for it. You wrote the song. Well, I did, but it actually came from a deeper place. Oh, my God. That wellspring of creativity has sustained Bob Dylan for more than four decades. Hey, Mr. Time, the rain man, And produced 500 songs. look at music that you've written and look back at it and say, whoa, that surprised me. I used to. Uh, I, I, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I don't know how I got to, to write those songs. <laughs> I don't know how. 
I got to write those songs. That's amazing. And it's sincere. He's being humble. But he can teach us a lot by how he's lived his life. What do you mean you don't know how? Well, those early songs were like almost magically written. Um, uh, darkness at the break of noon, shadows even the silver spoon, a handmade blade, a child's balloon. Eclipses both the sun and moon to understand you knew too soon there's no sense in trying. This Dylan classic, It's All Right, Ma, was written in 1964. He even shocks himself at how those songs came about. Well, try to sit down and write something like that. Uh, th there's a magic to that. And it's not uh, Siegfried and Roy kind of magic, you know. It's a it's a different kind of a penetrating magic. And uh, you know, I did it. I, I I did it at one time. You don't think you can do it today? Uh -huh. Wow. Does that disappoint you? Well, you can't do something forever. And uh, I did it once, and I can do other things now, but I I, I can't do that. And that's how your body works, too. You can do things when you're young. Michael Jordan still had to retire. You can't do it forever. You can do different things. You can be smarter. Did you have a good life, a good, uh, happy childhood growing up? I, I really didn't consider myself happy or unhappy. I always knew that there was something out there that um, uh, I needed to get to, and it, it wasn't where I was at that particular moment. It wasn't in Minnesota? No. It was in New York City. As he writes in his book, he came alive when at age 19, he moved to Greenwich Village, which at the time was the frenetic center of the 60s counterculture. As soon as he got there, as soon as I got to Los Angeles, your heart starts to race because you feel you've arrived in the place you're supposed to be. He referred to New York as the capital of the world, but... When you told your father that, he thought that it, it was a joke. Did, did your parents approve of you being a singer-songwriter, going to New York? No. No. Uh, the, the, they wouldn't have, have wanted that uh, for me, but uh, my parents never went anywhere. My father probably thought the capital of the world was where wherever he was at the time. It couldn't possibly be where any, you know, any place elsewhere. He and his wife were in their own home. That, to them, was the capital of the world. Hmm. Some people are small-minded, but now you're going to hear the word destiny, which is what this show is about today. What made you different? What pushed you out of there? Well, I listened to the radio a lot. I hung out in the record stores, and I slam-banged around on a guitar and played the piano and, and uh, learned songs from uh, a world which didn't exist around me. He says even then he knew he was destined to become a music legend. I was heading for the fantastic lights, he writes. Destiny was looking right at me and nobody else. Hmm. Use the word destiny over and over throughout the book. What, what does that mean to you? Here's what I love. It's a feeling you have that you know something about yourself nobody else does. The picture you have in your mind of what you're about will come true. That's kind of a thing you kind of have to keep to your own self because it's a fragile feeling and you put it out there and somebody will kill it. So it's best to keep that all inside. That's a great lesson to learn because of jealousy. People will kill it. He's right. Keep it to yourself. But there's nothing wrong with believing in yourself. So you didn't see yourself as, as Robert Zimmerman? And for some reason, you know, I never did. E even before you started performing? No, even then. Some people get born, you know, to the wrong names, wrong parents. I mean, that happens. Tell me how you decided on Bob Dylan. You, you call yourself what you want to call yourself. This is, this is the land of the free. Bob Dylan created a world inspired by old folk music with piercing and poetic lyrics, as in songs like The Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. He felt rock and roll was not enough. He found the depth of the message in folk music. And when he switched from playing an acoustic guitar to an electric guitar, people wanted to kill him. But he truly danced to the beat of a different drum.
because he believed in himself. You feel like a, an imposter. What was the toughest part for you personally? It was like being in an Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah, you're just not that person everybody thinks you are, although they call you that all the time. You're the prophet, you're the uh, savior. I never wanted to be a prophet or, 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 or savior. Elvis, maybe. Well, I could easily see myself becoming him. But prophet, no. I, I know that, and I accept, you don't see yourself as the voice of that generation. But some of your songs did stop people cold. And they saw them as, as, as anthems. And they saw them as protest songs. It was important in their lives. It sparked a movement. He thinks, hey, I wrote songs. I didn't write sermons. I got to be famous. I got to be successful. But I'm just a songwriter. Take it easy. My stuff were, were, were songs. You know, they, they weren't sermons. If you ex examine the songs, I don't believe you're going to find anything in there that says that I'm a spokesman for anybody or anything, really. But they it. Yeah, but, no, but they, 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 they must not have heard the songs. It's ironic, you know, that the way that people viewed you was just the polar opposite of the way you viewed yourself. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? <laughs> and finally, why do you still do it, Bob Dylan? Because when you feel you're destined for greatness, it's not a finish line. He still can teach us about living our own lives. Having success, that's why LeBron James is still playing. He's made another goal. He wants to play with his son. He has a destiny. Yeah, he's six foot eight and 260 pounds of solid muscle. But there are many other players along the way that are just as big as him and just as strong as him. And they went nowhere. LeBron James' heart beats to a different drummer of destiny. In Bob Dylan's case, listen to his answer. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. I, mean, I made a bargain with it, you know, a long time ago, and I'm holding up my end. What was your bargain? To get where um, I am now. Should, should I ask who you made the bargain with? <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and this earth and in, uh, and then in a world we can't see. Yeah. People ask me, going to be 65 in July. Are you going to retire, Dr. Clapper? No. I made a deal with the commander-in-chief as well. What I know now ain't in the book. That's what you can hear in the Clapper vision. You're going to hear my intimacy with how the body works, which is why I can explain it to you when it fails. And you better listen, because you ain't going to hear it from somebody else. There's nothing greater than to find what it is that you love to do and keep doing it. LeBron James is going to keep playing. Yeah, to play with his son? Sure, that's the latest goal. But he's going to do it until he can't anymore. And that is a beautiful thing. So whether you're a chef, a computer person, whatever it is, find what it is that really gives you the joy. And that's what you should be doing. And if you're really lucky like me, you get to do it to make a living. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to someone who really epitomizes that journey of destiny and success but it doesn't mean someone gave you an inheritance and there you have that success. No, you got to work for it. And you got to believe in yourself. We're going to hear it firsthand from Mark Bezjak, the president of Zimmer Biomet, the company that I, they ain't paying me to say it, but this is the hip system that I love to use. This is the company Biomet started by Dane Miller, an engineer who started that company when I told this man I had a great idea for a patent, he looked at me and said, I want your idea. And the ultrasonic tools became a reality because of him. He built Biomet. Now Biomet and Zimmer are one big company. And the current president is going to be our guest. I can't wait to talk to him. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Big Clap. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Weekend Warriors, trust me, none of you will remain forever young. Maybe in your mind, but not in your body, because it ages. And when it does, you'll need a hip replacement, a knee replacement, a shoulder replacement. And the best company to make those implants is Zimmer Biomet. And I'm joined now by the man who thankfully runs that company so that we can use that equipment. Mark Bezjak, thanks so much for making time to be with us. Uh, Dr. Clapper, awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. I oh. look forward to speaking with you all week. Yeah, me too. I really can't thank Jeff Busey enough to who's in the trenches with me, and he said this would he would be a great guest. He's a great guy, and I just got so excited because oh my God, we're talking to the president of my favorite company. The last time I had a in person conversation with the president of your company it was Dane Miller, who I met at a bar. Because I had just given a grand round at the University of Arkansas on this new equipment that I dreamed up as a resident at the Hospital for Special Surgery using the ultrasonic tools that I learned in a dentist's office. And I dreamed this all up, got a patent, and Dane Miller said, that's a fantastic idea. I'm going to buy your company. <laughs> he did. And that's how the Ultra Drive came about. And thanks to you and Zimmer Biomed, it's used all over the world to this day. And it's just awesome. So this well, thank you for giving that to us. Yeah, it's, it's, a, beautiful, it's, awesome. it's yeah. a beautiful tradition, your company, because it is successful, because it knows that someone like you, and I can't wait for the listeners to hear who someone like you really is that you come from a place that you might not expect to be actually the guy in charge. That's exactly, Dane Miller, if he was still alive today, would be so proud to know that you're the president because you are emblematic of exactly what he thought should be in charge, someone who gets the trenches as well as the life at the top. So, Mark, tell us about your dad, where you grew up, and what the beginning was like. Yeah, well, it, it's probably not the normal track, if you will, uh, throughout Med Device or, for that matter, for for a Fortune 500 company. Um, grew grew up in Appalachia, in Southwest Virginia. Wow. Um, you think Friday Night Lights, a uh, town of about ten thousand people. Uh, graduated high school with about two hundred people. Um, you know, went, went to college at Virginia Tech. But but what I would tell you is, um, you know, the, the biggest influence for me in, in really driving. Who, who I have become and, 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 and where I've really gone is really that small town in Tazewell, Virginia. Um, the diversity of people, um, the, the ability to understand true challenges, the ability to deal with different types of individuals, whether you're working in the mine uh, or the individual running the bank in town. It, it's really become something special for me, is understanding, that, you know, go ahead. Was there one particular person? Was there someone that inspired you from that small town other than your dad uh, that blew your mind? Well, well you know, let, me, let me talk about my dad, probably the most influential and most important person uh, that, that I've ever uh, you know, seen or obviously been a part of. But, but this, this man really showed what it is uh, to be passionate about your family, to be passionate about your work. Uh, mm. Individual, my father, Rich, never missed a single event. I played a lot of sports growing up, and, and, and the impact that he made on me is is, is to really understand that, that it's not whether you got your graduate degree from Harvard or myself getting it from University of Richmond, mm. but it's how you interact and treat with people and treat people. Mm. You know, he, he put my mom on a pedestal. Uh, he never missed a sporting event, and, and when you saw the people that he engaged work with at his work, it was the same thing. There, there was probably not a single individual that had a negative thing to say about my dad. 
Mm. And, and that's really how I emulate myself, how I interact with my employees and my people that, that, that I work alongside of, my coworkers, is front and center the number one most important thing is people, right? People's the biggest asset a company can have, mm. and we've got to make sure that we do the right thing and treat them the right way. I'm fascinated by everybody can work hard. And in the case of my father, he worked, but his we- he kept spinning his wheels. You know, he'd, he'd remodel a kitchen, he'd pull down the sheetrock, and there were termites in the two-by-fours. He didn't know what a change order was. He, he said, I can't put new sheetrock on these bad studs. So he went to the lumberyard, got new studs. It delayed the job. He now was, you know, underwater on every job because he was so honest and honorable. He worked hard, but he spent. He just kept spinning his wheels, and he actually didn't have confidence. I loved him for his honesty, but, oh, my God, a terrible businessman. He didn't feel the destiny. I want to play a soundbite of Bob Dylan explaining to Ed Bradley what destiny's all about, and particularly where he says you can't really tell anybody because people might want to kill it. And I, gotta, I can't wait to hear what you hear when you hear this soundbite. It's a feeling you have that you know something about yourself nobody else does. The picture you have in your mind of what you're about will come true. It's kind of a thing you kind of have to keep to your own self because it's a fragile feeling and you put it out there somebody will kill it. So it's best to keep that all inside. Take us us through, Mark. Being a tire salesman and you get on a plane and you sit next to a guy who says, you sell tires, you should be in the medical device business. What was that like? Who was that guy? And take us through the plane ride. Yeah, so so, so my first job out of college was with a, a big commercial truck tire company. Um, I was down in a plant visit down in Spartansburg, South Carolina. And, and on the trip back, it was a Friday afternoon, uh, 5 o'clock. I'm 23, 24 years old. But what do you do? You order a, a beer on the airplane, right? You know, uh-huh. just to kind of decompress and download. And this, this gentleman sitting next to me says, you know what? I'll have a beer as well, too. And uh, we, we have a couple beers, and we're flying back to Newark, New Jersey, for two-plus hours on the airplane. Uh-huh. And, and we're talking, and we're talking about life, and we're talking about all these different things. And right as we're getting ready to land... He looks at me and says, we need people just like you to work in our organization. And I said, oh, well, okay, well, give me your number. I'll give you a call. And, you know, and, and when you think of destiny and you think of preparing yourself for things that are going to happen, you know, you, you can talk about luck, but, it, but it's not about luck. It's being prepared, mm-hmm. right? It's being prepared for that opportunity that you never know who's going to sit next to you, what they're going to talk about. And, and frankly, that was my entree into medical device 20 plus years ago into a vascular company. And kind of the rest was history, right? You know, you continually raised your hand and kind of lived that life that you never know who you're going to sit next to. You never know who you're going to talk to and and how that can single-handedly change your life. In your opinion now, what are the key traits for people to become successful? Yeah, I I think the most important thing in my mind, right, is, is emotional intelligence, right? I mean, you can be the best book smart individual, uh, the best person that can run stats and different things. But if you don't know how to read, embrace, and engage and manage people by using your own emotion and, and, and going back and, and using the things that, that really created you, you know, to who you are, um, yeah, nothing else, in my opinion, really matters. So, so really, the emotional intelligence or EQ is kind of that underlying theme that, that if you don't have it, it's really going to be hard for you to be successful. And then a couple others that really just come to mind are, are, are humbleness, right? Nothing compares in my mind is, is being humble about who you are and, mm-hmm. and helping others. And, and so huge, huge in my book of, of successes. And, and the third is, is probably trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pay people, you can take people places, but at the end of the day, the one thing that you have to give somebody, you know, is that trust. And if they don't trust you, well then, you know, really nothing else really matters. So, those are, those are the three things that, that every day stick in my mind, and I try to work my life and, and, and my career around those three important principles. This show that I do every Saturday for 12 years now, which I can't believe, is my walk uh, and passion connecting the dots of art, because I'm a sculptor, surgery, because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, and I'm the biggest sports fan. And Will Chamberlain, who I did hip surgery on, made me a Laker fan, so... The sports world, the surgery world, the art world, 
Those are fields that I love connecting the dots each and every Saturday. You probably would be the first guy to explain that the tire business, the vascular business, and the orthopedic business actually are very similar, even though they seem completely different. I would love to know what happened when you started at the vascular company and what allowed you to switch in your head to go to orthopedics. Yeah, well, well look, it, it, it's people, right? You know, you, you, a lot of people in this world can pick up a book and learn and educate themselves on whether it's a vascular device or whether it's an orthopedic device. And, and in my world, it's building that relationship and camaraderie with a surgeon, whether you're a vascular surgeon, a hip or knee surgeon like yourself. It all comes down to, to truly that relationship and being able to provide value to that individual. Uh, it's that exchange of value that, you know, you're going to work just as hard or harder than the person that's next to you. You're going to deliver options, whether it's A through B through C, all the way to Z, to make sure that those individuals are always taken care of. And then again, whether you're working on a heart or working on a hip, uh, the, the the reality is that there's a patient on that table, and that could be somebody's mother, somebody's father, somebody's brother. And if, if you can get your head around that aspect, even though we don't do the operations, you all do the operations, we still feel like, you know, that's part of who we are and what we do. And in the company that, that, that I work with now, Zimmer Biomet, you know, it is a true belief that we are changing people's lives, right? You know, the, the arthritis, being able to have a, a grandmother get on the floor with their, their granddaughter and play a game and be able to get up or somebody, quite frankly, just able to brush their hair. Uh, from a shoulder replacement, and, and it's the same thing on the vascular side. So, so you know, the, the overlaps are absolute, and, and ultimately it comes down to that drive and dedication to be better and, and allow the, your customers to provide a better solution. Did your dad ever take you to work with him? Oh, yeah, all the time, so all the time. take me back in time. When What did you get blown away by most when he was building fire trucks, what was that day like? Yeah, it, it, it was special, right? And, and again, I, I referenced him early on in our conversation here, the most important person that really set me on my trajectory. But, you know, I, I think back just sitting here, you, you go back into the, the warehouse and, and you have the executives up in the front and you've got, you know, the manufacturing facility in the back. And, and whether somebody was picking supplies or welding the fire truck together mm. or somebody up front that was in purchasing the respect and admiration that, that these individuals had for my father. And, you know, he was able to juggle, mm. you know, balance that work life component, uh, balance the ability to have a conversation with somebody in the back and feel like there was nobody else in the room, but the two of them. And, and the same thing up front, it, it was just a really unique characteristic that, that, you know, after after 25 years of being in med device, I think of that every day. You know, no matter who you talk to, there's nothing beneath you. There's nothing, you know, you take the garbage out or, you, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you have your mind on the biggest sale or the biggest deal that's going to take place across the United States. And so, you know, you really can't lose sight of that, that, that every single individual that you touch is impactful and meaningful and makes a difference. Mm. When uh, Ed Bradley asked Bob Dylan, why do you still do this? You don't need the fame. You don't need the fortune. Why are you still doing this? This is what Bob Dylan said. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. I, mean, I made a bargain with it, you know, a long time ago, and I'm holding up my end. What was your bargain? To get where um, I am now. Should I ask who you made the bargain with? <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and on this earth and in, uh, and then in a world we can't see. You're not retiring anytime soon, Mark, right? Ever. Nope, 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 not anytime soon. I've got uh, two daughters that I've got to uh, get through college and marriage and all those things. So, uh, yeah, I've got a long runway ahead of me. Did you make any kind of deals with uh, the, the high commander the in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know if I made a deal with the big commander, but uh, what, what I will tell you is, uh, you know, I, I have made a deal with myself, right? You know, and, and, and really for me, uh, what I get absolute enjoyment about, what I, what I, going back to growing up in a small town in, in, in southwest Virginia, uh, what was really to try to make a difference, right? Make a difference with 
the people you work with, make a difference with your children, uh, because that's the lasting impression. You know, when, when I'm far gone uh, and no longer my feet on this earth, you know, it's it's my family, my children uh, that, that hopefully feel the same way about me that, that I feel about my father. Uh, my father is still around, you know, God, mm-hmm. God bless. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's the ability to make a difference uh, in, in family and in employees. And, and for me, I get absolute satisfaction out of seeing somebody uh, you know, knock a presentation out of the park, uh, land a big deal, do something that they never thought they could, uh, have a family if that's their desire. And so, you know, that was the thing growing up that when, when I came out of that small town and, and lots of my friends still live there. I mean, you know, 30, 40 years later, uh, they're still working in the mine or working at the gas station and, and have a very simple, lovely life. Uh, but but I, I left that town just saying, you know, this wasn't for me and, and, I, and I had to go make, you know, challenge myself to, to do more. And, and, and help people along, right? And, and, and really, it's just really paid dividends back to me because that is, you know, how I operate. It's what I think about people like Jeff. You know, there's nothing more successful or happy for me to see those individuals succeed and, and, and do something that they never thought they could or become bigger than they ever thought they would. Well, it all comes from the top. You know, he the freedom that you give someone in the trenches that I get to work with, it's not like I'm, uh, you know, behind your desk. Uh, where you're working in corporate headquarters, it's the people in the trenches that I get to work with. They, I could feel the Mark Bezjak in in the people you have in the field, and uh, that's a talent that you have, and I, I applaud you for it. And I can just tell you this, your dad's proud of you, your grandfather's proud of you, and I'm proud of you. And I want to thank you so much for making time to be with us. I'm proud to be a surgeon who uses the materials that you put together. Well, well, we we are uh, super proud of what we do, but absolutely thank you for for the support and uh, the the kind words and uh, for having me on. It was absolutely enjoyable. My pleasure. Have fun at the game with your son, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Take care. My pleasure, Mark. That's Mark Bezjak, president of Zimmer Biomed, biggest orthopedic company in the world, in an awesome journey of success and destiny. All right, coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN, and I can also take you into the operating room. A lot of surgeons will tell you, you can have a partial replacement of your knee. Why have the whole thing when you can only have a partial? This week, I had to redo the knee surgery by someone else. They sold him a bill of goods. They sold him a partial, and the whole thing fell apart because it should have been done differently. I'll explain, and I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Umi Ihi Bang Paciente Mo. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. How many roads must a man walk down? Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The White Dove is a she. That's just like Vince Scully. Vince Scully used to say when a home run occurred and a Dodger hit it, she's gone. He never said he's gone, she's gone, as if the baseball was a female. Just like that white dove flying around for Bob Dylan. Fascinating. All right, the number's 877-710-ESPN. The line's lit up. Let's go to David. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, David. I mean, I'm sorry, Dr. Clapper. It's an honor to talk to you, sir. Um, uh, my pleasure. Well, I, I, apo- I apologize of all the technical difficulties with the sound bites, but thank you for hanging in there, David. Well, while I was on hold, sir, I found a box of books at a garage sale for my students. So that was awesome. <laughs> thank you. What's up? How can I help you? How young are well, you? What are you? And you're a teacher? Yes, sir. Okay. And how young? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. Love it. Okay, cool. And where'd you grow up? What's your father do for a living? 
Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn. My dad uh, was an accountant he, until a few months ago when COVID um, hit him a little bit. He's 82. He was still working. You grew up in Brooklyn. What part of Brooklyn? Get yeah. out of here. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Flatbush and Chicha Bay. Oh, my God. What high school did you go to? Oh, um, how could I say this? I wasn't a very good student back when I was a kid, and I started an alternative school called Brooklyn Academy Prep. Wow. I remember I played, don't ask me, I was on the swimming team in high school, at Far Rockaway High School in Queens. But I remember we played a school like your high school uh, in soccer. And I remember the worst thing that happened, we beat the kids, and it was an away game. We beat them on their own field and the rocks shattered all the windows of the school buses we got in there we like tore out of that neighborhood because we did the worst thing we beat the soccer team and i think i could have been your high school actually we played oh my god that's you tough know. that's yeah, tough yeah, so yeah. what do you do now I'm, I'm a teacher um i just took a job in lancaster it's my first year there um these kids need a lot of help they, you know Low income, both, you know, a lot of help, and I'm doing my best to try and help them, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, you don't have to find a total stranger and do something nice for him. You're already walking the walk and talking the talk, so it's my honor and pleasure to try and help you. What's happening? What's up? Well, um, I have uh, an MRI on my right shoulder. I have it in front of me with the impression. Good. Do you want me to read that? Yep, and, and go slow so I can interrupt you with some clap revision. Do you want the findings or the impression? Just the impression. Got it. Yes, sir. Mild supraspinatus tendonitis. Okay. So mild, mild's a good word. Supraspinatus is the name, and there's 17 different muscles that attach to the scapula, the shoulder blade. And to show off, I can name all 17, but I'm not going to do that. It won't make for good radio. But the supraspinatus is one of the most important ones. Because that's the tendon, that's the muscle that deep in your shoulder, that when it contracts, that's the guy that lets you lift your arm above your head. That's the top one. There are other ones, like the subscapularis would allow you to touch your belly button. The infraspinatus allows you to reach out to grab someone's hand to shake their hand. But the supraspinatus, that's the main guy to lift your arm above your head. The word mild means we can see on the MRI something what's known as signal changes, that there's some irritation going on, which is totally to be expected by a 55-year-old. What's great about what your MRI says is what's great what it's not saying, that it's say not saying that you have a full thickness tear. It's, it's kind of like music, um, David. Miles Davis was the greatest because he recognized the importance of the silence between the notes. So a lot of times there's the beauty in your MRI of what it's saying to me. But what I'm also looking for, like being a musician, which I'm not, I'm an orthopedic surgeon, is what your MRI is not saying. That's actually as important to me as what it is saying. So go ahead. Keep going. I think the next part's the problem. It says with a high-grade bursal-sided tear of the supertonatus tendon anterior fibers. Right. So what it's saying is, and here's another clapper. You listen to the show, you know what clapper vision is? Oh, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So the, the piece of meat, the tendon, has a top. So when you go to Gelson's, which is expensive, so you should go to Ralph's or someplace else. But if you go to the supermarket and you look at, in the meat section, at a piece of steak underneath the saran wrap, that's the top part of the steak. That's the top part of the tendon. But if you pick it out of the package, there's a bottom surface to the same steak. So we identify the tendon by talking about, are we talking about the top or are we talking about the bottom? When we say bursal side, we're talking about the top portion of the tendon, and that's where the bone spur that comes down scratches the tendon, causing itis or osis, tendonitis or tendinosis, because this icicle that's dripping down is scraping the top of the tendon versus the bottom side of the tendon, which is the articular side of the tendon. So this is giving me... Uh, Google Maps landmarks of where in the tendon is your trouble. Go ahead. 
Um, and it says no rotator cuff, but it, it's been hurting for a long okay. time. And so, I just want to get it right, sir. So this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Please, number one, this is like I'm talking about what's not going on. I don't want any fast-talking person talking you into a cortisone shot, stem cells, PRP for $10,000, or any needles going inside the joint. Promise me you're not going to let them do that because what that does is it makes it feel good temporarily. But guess what? You now will have more damage, only now you won't feel it. So no shots. Nobody needs to take money out of your wallet for no good reason, in my opinion. But you've had yes, in your life... What's that? Anybody who listens to your show, show sir, should, should know that so okay. well. Good. Step number one, Good. none of that stuff. I have lots of new people listening, so that's why I keep repeating it, but thank you for saying that. So number one, I'm a surgeon telling you, teaching you, David, we got to do two things to your shoulder before someone like me gets a hold of you, right? I love being a surgeon. I do lots and lots of shoulder surgeries, hundreds of them every year. But I need to make sure there are two things that you and I do with this MRI, this shoulder of yours, before surgery, to avoid surgery, to postpone surgery. So number one, the MRI gives me a license to number one tell you, thank God you don't have cancer. Thank God you don't have a full thickness tear where it's only going to get a bigger rip if you start exercising it. So this mild tendinosis means that it hurts. It's painful for a reason. You probably have a bone spur sticking down. The fancy word is called impingement, that it's sticking into the tendon. But you've had plenty of blisters in your hand in your life, right? What do you do for the blister that you got because you played baseball and you held the bat for too long or you went to the gym and lifted so many weights, you got a blister in your hand? Guess what I would tell you, David? Go swing the bat some more. Go lift some more weights. What are you, crazy, Dr. Clapper? I just told you I got a blister. But you know, after all these years, 55 years of being on this planet, the blister will become a callus and it will stop hurting. It's not like it heals. It just becomes something that doesn't hurt anymore. Same thing is true with your shoulder. You need to learn the right kind of exercises that potentially, very commonly, by the way, can avoid surgery. But this is a physical therapist. You can actually get better. Even in Lancaster, you'll find a physical therapist, I hope, someone who's worth their weight, uh, to teach you how to do the exercises. That's the first thing you need. The second thing is time. You don't go to have surgery two weeks of shoulder complaints with an MRI. How long do you give this? Three months, six months. But if you tell me, Dr. Clapper, it's been six months. It's not getting better. I went for a month of physical therapy. It's not better. Okay. Then it's time to arthroscope your shoulder, to clean up the inflammation, get rid of the bone spur, and keep the rotator cuff from getting stabbed by that icicle of a bone spur that's probably causing your pain. All right? Yes, sir. That's what I've done already. So my last question, sir, I'm in Los Angeles. I have spring break a week from next. I hate to be absent. If there's any way yes. that I you can go, You win the prize today. You call my office. You tell Arnie I said it's okay. You come see me this week. I'll be happy to help you. God bless you, Dr. Clapper. Have a great day, sir. Right. Keep doing what you're doing. Look at you. Look at the high school you went to, and now you're teaching kids. You are a walking example of a blessing in life. God bless you, David. It'll be my honor and pleasure to help you. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Pay some bills. Come out with the last segment. I got so many. I got to take you into the operating room. I still don't even do that. All the lines are lit up. Got to make a decision, Will. What are we going to do next? I'll teach you, and I got to tell you. In this segment, where destiny and success in the world of food, something I ate last Sunday that was the epitome of success and destiny. I'll explain. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper in the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. 
What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> We're stuck here. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Don't listen to them. Don't even listen to Betty Crocker when she tells you how many minutes the brownies should cook in the oven. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Weekend Warriors, Bob Dylan. You don't have to like the sound of his voice, even though I do. You gotta love the words that he puts together. Writing the songs, making the music, singing the songs, playing the instruments. He doesn't just play one, he's playing a harmonica and a guitar. How do you do all that? Talk about multitasking. Because he knew. He could do something that other people couldn't do. And he made a pact with God. You make me successful, I will do this for the rest of my life. Same feeling I have. I'm going to do orthopedic surgery for the rest of my life. It's awesome to be able to keep doing it so many years later. I thought about it the other day. I'm at Cedar Sinai in practice. Not residency, not training, but actually working as an orthopedist. I went in 89. So that's the 80s, the 90s, the thousands, the teens, and now we're into the 20s. Five decades I've been there. But just like Mark Bezjak said, he remembers visiting his dad building fire trucks, selling tires. This week in surgery, I did think of my dad, the carpenter. Because one of my jobs as the little kid showing up when he had to remodel some rich person's kitchen was to rip out the old cabinets. They're big, they're bulky. And he wanted to, he wasn't paying extra to have a dumpster. He couldn't. My job, I'm eight years old, Robbie, take apart these old cabinets that were putting on the sidewalk for the garbage men to pick up. He gave me a crowbar. He gave me a hammer. And my job was to make these big, bulky kitchen cabinets, the old ones, into slats of wood again so he can put them in the garbage can. This is, of course, the day that I had my work boots on and I managed to step on a nail that went, I, I didn't realize it, and I hope this never happens to any of you, but I stepped down and the nail, which was sticking straight up, went through the bottom of my work boot through my foot, and came out the top of the workboat. Life is special when you actually can see a nail coming through the top of your shoe. Thank you very much. Which I immediately pulled the nail out of the bottom of my foot in agonizing pain. Told my father, who said, Oh, Robbie, this happened to me when I worked on the docks as a longshoreman. Since nobody's around, the best thing is for you to pee on your foot. I said, "What? Are you crazy? No, that's what we did on the docks. We, uh, that's, you know, the sterile water is your urine. Like, I'm looking at him going, I must have been only like eight years old. Now I'm going, okay, I live in the modern world now. I'm not doing that. We're going to the emergency room. And I'm sure we didn't even go to the emergency room. But I never forgot stepping on that nail. But taking nails out of wood, using the back of that hammer, the teeth, that fork that's in the back, or using the crowbar. And I knew what it was like to elegantly remove it versus damaging the wood. It just is something that's in me because I did it as a kid. Who would imagine 50 years later, 60 years later, no, not 60, 50 years later, I'm in the operating room this week operating on a man who had an old ACL reconstruction many years ago where they drove a staple, big metal staple. This is what they did in Joe Namath's days, into his tibia. And now I got it. It's in my way. I have to be able to do his knee implant. And this staples it. Well, here's the deal. If you just start pulling on it, yanking on it, you're going to crack the bone. You're going to fracture. You're going to make more trouble than you're starting with. 
And I, in my head, I could feel myself going in a time machine of the lessons I learned of how to elegantly remove that embedded staple in his tibia and leave the tiny little hole. But I still said to myself, he could break this leg later. So I put together an implant that allowed me to bypass the hole in the bone so that he can play basketball, ski, surf, whatever he wants to do with this implant and not fracture through that hole where the old staple was. It was an awesome case. To cross-fertilize your experiences in life and make them real each and every day. It was an awesome week in surgery. Can't wait till this coming week and the stories I'll tell you next Saturday. And speaking of next Saturday, my guest next Saturday is the greatest Rams football player that I know, my favorite, the great Fred Dreyer. Because as soon as I saw Odell Beckham Jr.'s foot grab the turf and he went down, all I could hear in my head was Fred Dreyer going, artificial turf, I got to tell you all the dangers. So we're going to talk about turf, natural turf that they have in Arizona for that stadium. And how Fred Dreyer feels terribly about artificial turf. But it made me think already. The world of art, the world of sports. Where is that artificial world, good and bad? Well, in the world of art, wait till you hear these sound bites of Julia Child, the greatest chef ever, teaching Dick Cavett about this new device called a Cuisinart, a food processor. Instead of taking a knife and chopping the cucumber. It was awesome. And what about in sports? It's called a jugs machine. It throws footballs for wide receivers so they get to be Chris Carter. And they get to be like Keyshawn Johnson. So you don't have to have a quarterback throwing you a thousand balls in practice. Who invented the jugs machine? How did that go over? Success? Not success? Artificial, just like the turf in art, in sports. That'll be next Saturday show with Fred Dreyer. And food, destiny and success. It's a glazed jelly donut with blueberry cream cheese inside. Changed my life last Sunday. Good time donuts, Ventura. Tell Sue, Dr. Clapper sent you from the Weekend Warrior Show. And enjoy it. Until next week, I leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying in Italian, as we do each and every Saturday. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio.